And this is Christian Brothers B Podcast, where we discuss black LGBT issues and topics. And we are continuing our conversation with part two of HIV stigma within the black community. Um, but speaking on the stigma, since that's what we're here talking about, clearly you just saw a display since I untagged myself on his life. <laughs> that was that is the power of stigma. And I also heard something while somebody while you were speaking, or it was a comment that came from the audience when it was the young men, um, young black men, seventeen to twenty nine are the new highest rates of. And I heard a comment that said because they loose. And in my body, I was just on fire. I wanted mm-hmm. to grab the mic. I was on fire. It, it, everybody has sex. Everybody here has sex. Unless you're asexual, you have sex. And when it comes down to it, you never know what a person is going through in life. You never know if they got it through a needle, through a transmission, through their lifestyle. You never know what a person's story is. The story of a person is not who they are. People have to get that through their minds. Just because of what I did doesn't make me who I am. What you see before you a person who is an operations manager over an entire airline, you never know the things that I've been through or the things that I did in order to get to this spot and see who I am talking to you in this moment. So the judgment and the stigma has to stop, and it has to stop with you. It doesn't stop with just these conversations. It stops with you checking your privilege and checking yourself every time you open your mouth or every time you think a thought. And that comes down to also when we talk about uh, uh, race and, and gender, et cetera, everything. That's my piece. All right. All right. Jamal, I have one question for you. So we've talked about the fact that um, it's black gay men in that age, that very young yeah. age group, like 17 to about 29, where we're seeing the highest incidence of HIV. In fact, that's the only area where the numbers are actually going up. So if we were to create a high-impact HIV intervention program to specifically target those men, what does it need to look like? <laughs> okay, so you asked me this <laughs> before I even sat up here. And I've still been <laughs> in my head, in the back of my head, like, uh, I'm nervous as hell because I don't, I, I, I come from a, uh, I guess, a different, when you were speaking about um, the advocacy that you guys used to do um, back in the day, uh, you can say back in the day. Back now. in the day. We <laughs> <laughs> all. Because when, <laughs> when I came out, it was easier to ha- gain access, that, and this is what I've been thinking about, it was easier to gain access to um, black gay men or black gay individuals because we all we all met at the same place at the same time on the same days everybody saw everybody and it was a thing for us to get to that spot or get to that place just to have camaraderie or fellowship with each other whatever the hell we were doing drugs and all kind of craziness um but now due to the impact of social media everybody has flocked to these facebook groups sex groups 
Instagram, so it's harder to gain access. Mm-hmm. I think that's where we're losing it, mm-hmm. um, the access portion. Maybe that's the answer. Yeah. Um, and maybe social media is mm-hmm. the answer in order to gain um, momentum, but it has to be some sort of attractive, um, because social media is instant gratification. Right. So it has. it's so instantaneous that... Uh, I mean, we all do it. We f- we flow through Facebook, and first we're happy. We see a cute little cat. <laughs> then we're sad because we see, oh my God, somebody got shot today. And then we're we're angry again because we see Trump. Or then, <laughs> so, so that <laughs> I think. I think what has to happen is possibly going in the avenue of, I don't know if you know about clickbait, but um, basically clickbait is articles that people put on social media. And you all, when you're scrolling through and you see an article, you're like, oh, my God. And it, But the headline catches right. you. It's, it doesn't have to be the full story. It's just right. the headline. They just take a little excerpt and they're like, Oh, the sky is falling today. And you're like, ah, the sky is falling. No, the sky isn't falling. We tricked you. But now since you're reading this, you have to read it. So I think that may be a way of um, gaining access to those those young men. I like that. I like that on social media. Yeah. Okay, you heard that? Okay. Right here. So, the conversation that we were having today and the purpose that all of us are here is to break the stigma in the black community. But two people on the panel talked about not having the stigma. One person, the way that he worked around the stigma was to displace himself from it. I guess my question here is, how do we break the stigma? Since we're here to talk about that subject, how do we break that stigma? Because everybody's story on the panel was great, but most of it did not talk about the stigma itself and how to eradicate it from the black community. Okay, so I know Lorenzo wants to answer this question too, so I'm gonna be really brief, but I believe that conversation, education, um, one of the reasons, I think that one of the reasons that I, I said that maybe they talk about behind my back but never to my face is because I'm up front with it. Like, I put it out there. You know, I put it out there as a conversation piece. Um, I, I had some t-shirts at one time uh, that said, I have HIV. And on the back it said, if only it were that easy to tell. And I will wear that t-shirt sometimes. Um, just to get a spark out of people, just to see what people's reactions were going to be, and just to start conversations. I think that I believe education is the key. In my family, we talk. I educate them, they educate others, and so I think that that is what um, what demarginalizes stigma. My motto is love is greater than stigma. So, If I may ask um, question to that. If we need to talk about the conversation, do you feel that we need to broaden who we're speaking to? Because I would feel like in this room right now, our panel is full of people who are combating HIV. But where are the people that are holding the stigma? How are we talking to them? Where are they in the crowd? Where are those individuals? Because those are the ones that need the communication or the education. 
We have a couple. Well, you've had your hand up. Um, my name is Takesha, and I'm, I'm friends with Yolanda, and I'm not HIV positive. Um, and before I met her, like I was one of the people that I'm not gonna eat off your plate. You know, I'm not. I, I didn't know what it was. But through knowing her and her being open and honest, I was able to learn about it. Mm -hmm. And I find myself telling people about right. it. You mm -hmm. know, so when I run into people and they have incorrect information, sure. I'm able to correct them. Mm -hmm. um, there was a program called Sister. Mm -hmm. And they don't have the funding anymore, I guess. But what they did was they brought ladies into a room, positive, negative, and we talked about being assertive rather than being aggressive. Mm -hmm. And it was really sad because the young girls that would be a part of this group, um, they would ask the older people, why didn't you just tell us? But we don't have a forum to tell them. You know, I mean, like, we're sitting here, but like, the places that you, you would think that they would talk about it, they don't. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, and when you hear about it, people, like, hush up, you know. But, like, when you go through recovery or when you go through programs or when you go, that's, that's when you learn about it. Right. And, and we need that's to be yeah. out of the program and then talk into the public. Yeah. Right. yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think one of the things... As Yolanda was saying, it's about education. It's about educating the community, but it's also about educating the people that are not in this room. Right. Because so many programs that I've gone to that the health department, other organizations have, have implemented in our communities, when I look around the room, we're preaching to the choir. We're continuously talking to each other, so we need to go outside of that box. So um, an example with our program, the Kiki Project, our guys, they do outreach. So they go into the community. They go on cis trunk and other parts of the community where people are not talking about HIV from that perspective. So that's what that's one way of actually doing it, going to those type of communities whereas you can talk about HIV and you can educate the community about it and they can ask the questions because a lot of times they're not going to ask their doctor about it. They're not going to ask other people about it. They're not going to have opportunities to ask people about it. But if you're on the street doing outreach like we did like 20 years ago, going door to door, talking to the community, going under the tree where black people hang out, going to the barbershop, talking to those people, that's how you're going to get the information out. You're not going to be able to do it sitting behind the desk. You're not going to be able to do it only through social media because some people don't believe in social media. So social media is a part of it. That's one, that's one avenue. But we need to have multiple avenues and multiple strategies in terms of how we get that information to our community. And we have to continuously remember that everyone's, the black church is a part of it. But you can get the information to the church. It goes from the, from the pulpit, pulpit. To the pews, to the pavement. Because what happens is that if someone, if a minister talks about something in his church, grandma's going to go home and talk to him about it with her grandson who doesn't go to church. So he's going to get that message from the church. So a lot of people say that the black church is not, they, they, they don't have necessarily have the reach that they used to, but they still have a lot of power in the black community because a lot of the people, they're going to hear that minister. And one of the things we need to do is to have more of our conversation with the ministerial alliances in our community so we can get the churches more involved. Yeah. I, I just got to interrupt. We could sit here all night and talk about HIV, but it's not HIV, it's the culprits underneath HIV. Yeah. The first culprit underneath HIV is homosexuality. Amen. This disease has always been associated with gay men. Amen. Boom. And if we don't come to terms with that, 
we can't have a conversation. Amen. Secondly, this disease has always been associated with substance abusers. Boom. So if we don't talk about substance abuse, we're not talking about HIV. And when people talk about the stigma of HIV, they're talking about homosexuality, they're talking about substance abuse, they're talking about people who are undesirables in our society. We've got to raise that conversation to another level. Exactly. And all the undesirables with HIV and all their alliance, you know, brothers and sisters need to have the conversation whole. HIV is not unknown to not a single person in America. There have been more movies, more commercials, more this, more that, more documentaries about HIV probably than any other disease in known to man. However, the stigma around homosexuality is alive and well. The stigma around substance abuse is alive and well. The stigma around racism is alive and well. The stigma around sexism is alive and well. And as long as those other stigmas lie dormant in the conversation about HIV, we will never open the door to a larger conversation about the health of America and the role that HIV impacts. Truth. One point Four million people are impacted by HIV. There are 10 million people impacted by hepatitis C. And there's even more impacted by other diseases, cancers of all kinds. So this is a small epidemic, by and large, with, in the face of all the other health conditions out there in the world. But it is homosexuality, it is substance abuse, it is poverty, and it is all the other isms that make this a difficult conversation to be had. And the conversation often is not had in its entirety. That's really a good point. Yeah. I, I just want to add, um, six months ago I sat in this room and I asked the same question you asked. And Marvin was um, emceeing the panel. And he said, what are you doing about it? Right. And I had to really think about that. Not a damn thing. As an HIV positive guy, I was not doing a damn thing about it. Now, I teach in the schools. I work here. I'm doing my part. We all need to do our part. And I credit that completely to our panel host tonight. Thank you. I just I want to piggyback on Christopher for just a minute, because I would add another thing to what he said. I think the whole issue of sexuality, sexual behavior doesn't get addressed. I think the reason that it's so important for people to know about Truvada if you're negative, getting tested, getting on, and if you have HIV, getting uh, on meds and become, uh, becoming undetectable is because I think, we don't like to talk about this, but sex, sexual behavior is very complex and it isn't, it, it's often not logical. We do things that we don't want to talk about. We respond sexually in ways that we don't want to tell other people about because we're kind of uncomfortable because we realize that in spite of all the things we know, our sexual expressiveness can be highly impulsive. It can be highly spontaneous. 
can be driven by what's going on at the moment much more than we'd like to admit. And so I think for, if you would agree with that. I don't. Okay. No, I don't Q, Q, people get HIV who practice the missionary position. Right. You don't have to do yeah. freaky stuff in no, there no, no. to get HIV. That's not what I'm saying. No, but I, I, you That's have to be clear when you talk about sex. Okay, but I'm You have finish. to be clear about sex. Let me finish. You just can't. Let me finish. Don't shorten it up. Yeah, let me finish. I have I, sex all the time. Yeah. I, I think that the reason people need to know about Cuvada and need to know about becoming undetectable is that those are ways to defend yourself against yourself. Can I And I think it's true. I don't think we're always fully in control of ourselves. Can I, um, I, I, I think it's a beautiful conversation, but I think that we're missing the topic of conversation, and that's the HIV-6 stigma within the black community. And I think that because from what you told me, the statistics, white people, they fine. Black people is what we're talking about right now. Black people is the root of the conversation of where we need to get to right now. And, and we need to stop sugarcoating. We have to stop sugarcoating everything and sugarcoating our conversations, especially around um, homosexuality. Right. He was right when he pointed straight to homosexuality. We have to start going there. We have to go to the church. We have to go. We have to go there. We let this conversation keep going there. But it, but and you're absolutely correct. But it's like we as black gay men, we need to start standing up and being black gay men. You can't have that conversation if I'm not if I'm not open about who I am. It's not. I have a problem with, with this being targeted around just black gay men. Because oh, this is a, well, that's just my platform. What's beautiful about this conversation, because, got, yeah. because I know most yeah. of you on the panel, yeah. and we're having a discussion, but it's kind of like service. It's yeah. not really getting deep. And um, the question that was asked of Marvin about how we could get in community with working with agencies, mm -hmm. if we ask the, the black people that are working in agencies and know that it's work that needs to be done, if we don't stand together and hold these agencies accountable, right. it'll continue to happen. Right. So we have to come together as a people. Yeah. So right. if we continue to be tokens, mm -hmm. as I was told, um, that I was for being transgender, and I'll leave it at that. I right. had to take that slap in the face and think to myself, so you're not only a token for being transgender, but you're black as well. Right. So that was two, two step backs for me. You got two and checks. And I pay attention to that, but we have yeah. to start holding mm -hmm. government accountable as well. Yeah, okay. So we as a people, okay. we have to cultivate those Jesus. leaders. When you say, when this, when he, when we ask this young man, what is it that you would do? We need to cultivate more leaders like him. Right. And we need to find a way to do that and put that in community. That's what needs to happen because once we cultivate people like him, then we can disseminate that through the community. Right. And okay, that's we have we're gonna take some, uh, some more questions but just the, the one thing that I want to say in answering your question that this conversation that we're having tonight have to leave this place you should be having this conversation with your friends you should be having this conversation with your family and I'm not I, so and I, I don't mean to point at you but we don't we don't okay good, good. I'm glad that you do I'm, I'm glad that you do but I, I am a black gay man and it's, I haven't always I, I evolved to who I am today where it's comfortable with me it's okay with me to have the conversation about HIV that I can walk around with a shirt on that says positive that is what normalizes it that is what takes the stigma from it and so we have to be willing to have those hard conversations 
in our community, mm -hmm. among... I feel like our platform, mm -hmm. you guys are our platform, needs to be willing to have that conversation in our community as well. Absolutely. I love everybody on the panel, and I'm honored to know three of you and actually write about you guys all the time. Mm -hmm. But what I also want to see is the opposing view. I want to yeah. see those politicians and those Baptist church um, bishops or pastors on this panel as well so they could hear what you guys are saying. We so are. that we can hear their perspective and counteract that. We have, let's we have let's move to people. some other questions. Yeah, in the back, she's had her hand up for a long okay, we, time. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. Go ahead. I guess I'm invisible. No, no, we what see you. Go ahead. We don't okay. look too much to the behavioral sciences when we look at, you know, what is causing the influx or not influx of or the rise of HIV in the black gay community. I mean, we look at people, and people tend to date within their own community. Right. People tend to date what's proximity. People tend to date what's whatever. So when you have a high rate of HIV within a subsect of a community, of course, it's natural for it to, to, to spread amongst the community a lot faster than it would in any other community. So we need to really talk about expanding services east well, not, not east, actually, I'm sorry, west. West. Yeah, no, west. west of the turnpike. You want to talk about what we can be doing? We need to put these programs right where the communities are. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm talking about. And I wholeheartedly agree with that. A lot of times, I mean, they've had programs in other parts of the community that was for black people. Black people wouldn't go. Because, again, the stigma is so damn strong that we wouldn't go. So that becomes the problem. So we have to continuously educate the community about these programs are for you. So... Yeah, we can, put, we can put the programs over there. We can put the buildings up. We can have people over there. Who's going to come through the door? That becomes a concern in terms of utilizing our dollar, our tax dollars, putting programs over there. There was a health department on Cistrunk years ago. People didn't go. So, therefore, they moved it because no one was going to that one. They would prefer to go over to 84th Street. or that, They prefer to go over there because they didn't want people to see them going to the health department. And let me ask you that, but how long ago was that, I mean, that has not even been 10 years ago. That hasn't been that long ago. What has changed in 10 years as far as how people look at gay people in the United States? I mean, Are those black people looking at gay people? And, and I hear you. Right. All right. We're going we're gonna, to, Angie, we're going to take another question. Well, I want to speak on behalf of being a grassroots organization here in Broward County. I'm a nonprofit, and we focus on incest, molestation, and rape. And that's the underlying issue of all of this. Mm. Oh, oh, now I've met you. You know what I'm saying? So we can't 
be everywhere all the time, but when you make connections in your community, another organization, smaller organizations need the help, can help you get the information out. We need people to pioneer some of this stuff, champion it. We need to have some people that look just like the people mm. you're trying to reach that can get this information to them, to make them feel comfortable, because most of them are scared. Even myself, I'm negative, but I was ostracized by my family because my sister was positive. I lived a different life than my sister, so they felt like you should have been the one. Why was it her? She was, she was living a perfect life. She had a husband, she had kids, that yah, 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 and you were running all around. So why you didn't get be the one chosen? Yeah. And they were serious. Yeah, that's right. That's it was exactly really, really. That's stigma. That's the that's definition stigma. of stigma. Yeah. That is stigma. That's exactly right. So I said to myself, but every chance I get to wake up every day, I want to make a difference in somebody's life, some kind of way. And I have to learn what that stuff is. Mm -hmm. I need to learn about HIV because I got friends with HIV. Right. I mean, I don't know who I may encounter tomorrow. But if I don't know how to talk to them, I don't know how to educate them, like she said lady on the front right there. Right. Um, I need to know how to have that in South Florida as it relates to homosexuality in the black church. Yeah. I am too a member of Mount Olive Missionary Baptist Church where Marcus D. Davidson is my pastor. And not only that, I am an active member of that church, but not only that, my story is different from yours, unfortunately. Amen. Because, because your story shed light because you're an African-American heterosexual woman. But because I'm a homosexual man, I was set down from the choir. But anyway, yeah. But anyway, we had this conversation last month at, at Mount Hermon AME Church. I invited all the preachers, all the community. It was on Facebook for three months. Yeah. Tell me if your pastor came. Tell me if we those pastors came. I had pastors lie in my yeah. damn face and say, Eddie, I'll be out of town on revival. I passed by your damn church. Your, your car was right there. We, we are having these conversations yeah. in our community. The pastor of Mount Hermon, he didn't even come. His Let congregation didn't even come. So we're saying, yeah, let's have these conversations really at the, in, in the church. Let's let's. Now, well, Pastor Green was out of town. He was out of town. Oh, he wasn't out of this town. This was no, Pastor Green was. was. No, he said he. No, Pastor God. Green was out of town. I'm not talking about Pastor. I know you're not. <laughs> <laughs> so let's. I know who you're talking about. I know. 
He's so shady. I went on Sistrump to every church, every church. Yeah. And it's so funny that these pastors, when I post something on Facebook, they're all up in arms on my posts about it. But when it's time for me, I invited you to this open forum. When I invited your churches, mm -hmm. your members to this open forum, went to all the churches from Mount Olive, New Hope, to Kojic, to, to whatever you name it. I went to Hole in the Wall Church, big churches. I went. And, and, and tell me if they were there. Nope. Tell me if they were there. Nope. No. Nope. And we had it in our community. Nope. In okay, the church. Yeah. In the church. In the church. And we had it in the church. Yeah. Um, wow. In the church. Um, Chris in the church. Podcast, where we talk about black LGBT issues and topics. <laughs> thank you for not banging on the table. Uh. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, there's a reason also. I mean, the, the reason why a lot of people are not going to go, quite frankly, is because they also look at the deliverer the person who's delivering the message. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we have to be strategic. I hate to tell you. Mm -hmm. Civil rights was strategic. Martin Luther King learned his lessons several times. Mm -hmm. And the things that you learn in the beginning, you don't do again. You may you be more strategic about it. They use the power of the media. They use certain aspects to say, let's reach this, but this is how we gotta do it. Sorry, y'all, it takes planning. If I cannot, the basic is the black gay man is not gonna be the best person to deliver it, Step aside for a little bit. Put your pride aside. Get that person over there. Bring it to the forefront. You do it. And let's go forward. That's all it is. So be strategic. I'm just kind of tired of being strategic because, <laughs> no, I'm just saying because it's 2017. Y'all need to talk about gay people. We ain't in church. We there. We sitting in your churches every Sunday. So, I mean, I understand being strategic in terms of some aspects, but if I'm in your face every Sunday, I'm paying my tithes, I'm giving my tithe, my talent, and my treasure to your church, nothing. then... I don't understand that. So, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. That's why I don't go. This very same church we've been talking about. That's why I don't go. Get out where you don't want, where you're not wanted. That's the church we're talking about. That's the church we're talking about. Get out where you're not wanted. First of all, when Al Sharpton was invited, he came. It was good. He showed up. He showed up. Packed house. I'm sorry, say. bang on. <laughs> Go ahead and bang. It was, a, it was a packed house. You could not get gas in that room. And y'all know what gas I'm talking about. <laughs> it was that tight. It was that tight. And you spoke that night. And you're spoke. Somebody from the family spoke. The preachers were up in the front. They talked. Right. And one... one very wonderful, light complexion, white haired, older minister, spoke with such compassion mm -hmm. about HIV. Mm -hmm. Okay? So, let's be real clear about this. People do come sometimes. It depends on, and, and Chris, right. you were the one who triggered this. It is sometimes about the messenger. You know, you get, you know, Beyonce to come, and maybe people will pay attention, or you get Snoop Dogg to show up, and people, That's a different you know. But the deal is, those occasions do not lend themselves to the depth of conversation you need to get to mm -hmm. in talking to people. We have to do thousands of these. Right. First of all, this epidemic is not news, people. It's over 30 years old. In most people's minds who are my age, this is some, excuse my language, some old doo-doo. 
We've been down that road. We done had that conversation 20 times. Miss 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 McCray said, I can't talk about it no more, baby. <laughs> I done talked about it. I done talked to my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren. I'm done with it. Let them other people talk about it. And that's where we are right now. It is the other people who we need to get talking about it. And we're doing it because y'all are here. Mm -hmm. Y'all are here. And we are on social media. Yeah. They do talk about HIV on social media. There still are late night commercials about wearing a condom mm -hmm. and the importance of that. There are still new documentaries and movies being made. Folks, they started talking about not smoking cigarettes and the dangers of smoking cigarettes in 1949. Yeah. 49. It wasn't until after the year 2000 when laws were written that restricted people's movements around smoking cigarettes that there was a serious decline in America around cigarette smoking. It is hard for people to break habits. It is hard for people to change behaviors. And so we cannot sit here and talk as if there's some kind of magic bullet that's going to turn people around. The same kind of negative behaviors that are being shown to HIV were shown to people with cancer right. in the 40s and the 30s. If you had cancer, your family didn't talk about it. You mm -hmm. didn't talk about it. It was hushed. Right. People don't like to talk about things that they perceive as negative. It's just a reality. But we can't let them off the hook. Right. We can't. I tell everybody, I walk in the room and I say, as a black gay man, he does. You are no. He does you are going that. to know. I've done it in the Congress too, just like you know, Brett. Uh, you know, I mean, we have to do it. And, 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 and Lorenzo is right. Every chance we get, we have to own our lives. Yes. Because if they're good enough for us to live it, then we should be proud enough to say it. And if you think being gay is bad, don't be gay. Be something else. Be something else. Yeah, we had a question right before. <laughs> There's a We should start doing the Donald Trump. Oh my God. Because <laughs> he has been very successful at hijacking the media. Yeah. Well, well, if you if you know like the history, you know, of HIV movement and you know about the ACT UP and all of that, there was a lot of aggressive activism at one time. So. We need that again. Okay, question? I, I want to support this because I don't like the camera. <laughs> I want to support this brother's uh, idea about being strategic. My strategic idea would be, just like they do on the Super Bowl, they advertise Beyonce halftime show, mm -hmm. just to get you to watch the football game, right? So what you do is, you come up with an idea, that's just an example, you advertise Beyonce having a concert, and at the, at the uh, what you call it, the, the break, mm -hmm. you start talking about 
HIV from gays. We do that. We do We do that. But we we need the support of the heterosexual community. Okay, you can get that. Okay. You got, you got heterosexuals in. I'm straight. Well, see, Good. Hey, okay. I'm, I'm a church person. Okay. I mean, what church do you attend? You just black and white. Okay. Pop. We'll call them. You just have the. <laughs> you have the <laughs> branch out. You can't, can't go in certain spots. You can't go into the beach. <laughs> <laughs> Like trying to teach an old dog new tricks. We have to not attack but reach the youth, mm-hmm. the parents, mm-hmm. teaching their kids the stigma. Um, whether black, white, purple, gray, whatever it is. Because it's the youth that's going to be able to develop and change our future. Mm-hmm. not. The, the the elders and the people, people that were there because they are set in their ways. Some of them don't want change, mm-hmm. and they're afraid of change. It's fear. Yeah. Yeah. And I think bringing <coughs> to schools at a younger age, because I know where I went to school in a little town in Foster Rhode Island, you didn't, you didn't have a sex education yeah. class until high school. Mm-hmm. Or maybe middle school. They didn't talk about the stigma with, with HIV AIDS. Um, they didn't explain it. You didn't know the history about it. So I've never been to the world in museums. My first time here. And um, it's a very, a very eye-opening hearing you guys talk about it because I do fight for it when I can. And it was that even I went to cosmetology school in Lauderhill. When we did the, the HIV tests, because we have to be um, certified in that, mm-hmm. amazing how many people did not understand it, couldn't pass the test, even though we're going through the class. Mm-hmm. And it's all ignorance. It's, we just need to educate the youth to create a better future. Thank you. So I, I do, I do want to say this, that Broward County has one of the most innovative, advanced HIV education programs uh, out there. And in the Broward County school system, right. that uh, middle school and high school students are being taught HIV. I have personally been in those schools. So has Lorenzo. So, so you know, we, we're out there. We're, we actually test kids. If you're 13 years or older, we can test you without a parent consent. So we, there's a very aggressive education going on in the Broward County school system. Was it, we're going to take one more question. Uh, um, I want to thank everybody for sharing their stories. This is the first time I've been in a setting like this. Um, I made PhD student that's very much interested in HIV uh, risk and mental health. So I kind of wanted to touch on the stigma and how that uh, plays a role in the mental health. You all can speak on that. Uh, you were over my <laughs> kind of touching on that a little bit, but you can speak on uh, I can give you not only my own personal experience, but the experience of many people I know that have um, that are HIV positive. I know a lot. Um, depression is really the first thing. Um, self-loathing. You feel dirty. You feel like why? Like uh, I shouldn't have. Or um, or if I just you know you second guess yourself over and over, especially when you're. Uh, supposed to be well put together, like especially if people, a, a person like me, 
um, looks as if they have everything together. It looks as always um, planning out, always strategic in their, and then out pops this. Even though you're strategic when you're going through the process. I, I literally was on autopilot when the process started. It was like, you got an ear infection. Oh my God, um, your lymph nodes swollen. I'm going back to the doctor, what? Have you had an HIV test? Yeah, I get tested. What do, what, what do you mean? Oh my God, you're positive. Oh, okay, what's next? Oh, here, here's these pills. Oh, okay. Start learning about it. Literally autopilot until boom, one day I was sitting in my um, apartment in Jersey and I just started crying deeply. I just started like completely breaking down. And it took me forever to build back up because not only is coming out as a homosexual one part of it, but now you have to come out again. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a deep process. So now you're getting to know yourself over again. Now you're, you're trying to love yourself over again. Now you're trying to become comfortable with yourself over again. And around people, you think that you have this um, red scarlet letter written for, across your forehead like everybody knows. Oh, they know why I was in Walgreens. Oh my God, they knew why, why I, um, I, I went to the bathroom just now. Oh my God, I'm not feeling well today. Is this the end? Oh, every day I, I get a call for it. I start, I'm like, oh shit, this is the end. Oh, God damn it, this is the end. <laughs> Lord have mercy. But it's, it's what you go through. And then as time progresses, this has been, this is 2017. So this is 10 years. Oh, shit, <laughs> decade. <laughs> um, so it's been 10 years and... Every year gets like, like I told you before, it's just like an afterthought. Um, it's like whatever. It, and right now is the only time I'm even conscious. It has, I have, I have pulled back all that stigma and stripped it away so much that this is the only time I'm conscious that I'm even talking about it is because I'm here sitting in front of all of you. Right. Yeah. So I want to um, respond to that a little bit because for me... For me, um, growing up as a, a, a gay a gay boy, as a gay child, I was a, an extremely feminine child. And being feminine um, in a black home is not is not well received. In fact, you can be anything in a black family, anything except gay. When I when I came out that I was gay, and this is this is very true. My oldest sister told me I would have preferred that you were a crackhead than to tell me that you were gay. So when I tell you, you can be anything in a black family except gay, that is very true. And so uh, just the ridicule and the, and the, the, the uh, bullying and all of that consistently throughout your whole life, um, because for no other reason than you were a gay person. And so what happens a lot of times with people psychologically when things are happening to them at a young age that they don't understand, you make up an excuse for it. So what I made up was that I wasn't a likable person. Mm -hmm. So now I'm dealing with HIV. So imagine, you know, all of the stigmas that to deal with as a black person, as a black man living in America, and then as a gay black man living in America, and now you're adding the HIV to that. You know, so there is... So now, 
I just I want y'all to know I'm fine. I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, baby. All right, baby. Yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. But it, 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 it has right. been a process. It has been a process to get to that place. And I think of men that are my age that haven't even gotten to the place where they're comfortable with being gay. Right. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. I can't even begin to ask them to be open about their HIV status. Oh, wait a you know, excuse me, Marvin. So you're so both you and Jamal are sharing about what it's like to be to be a, a gay black man. So let me break it down for you on what it means to be a sister. Okay, okay. bring it. Okay, to be a woman who has to depend. If you weren't if you weren't raised to be independent mm-hmm. and to know your worth as a woman, mm-hmm. okay. So now you now you have to depend on others to provide for you. You have to depend on somebody for a roof over your head, mm-hmm. to put food in your mouth, to put clothes on your back. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then your priority, you you are not even a priority in your own life. Mm-hmm. It is it is him. Mm-hmm. It is the kids. Mm-hmm. It is your parents. You are last on that list, okay? And now you're talking about, now I'm HIV positive. Okay, so how do I tell this man who's been taking care of me that I have the virus? Is he going to leave me? Is he going to lose his mind and, and split my shit to the white meat? Okay, exactly. Am right. I going to be out on my ass? Mm-hmm. What about my children? Mm-hmm. What's going to happen with them? Then we have to worry about what society says because I was listening to something uh, just today and and they were talking about the least appreciated person in America. Mm -hmm. The least worthy person in America is the black Black woman. woman. And Malcolm X said that. So I hear what you're saying. I I I am a black woman who is positively living with the virus. I have raised two sons. One is married with two beautiful children. One is a same gender love is a same gender mm-hmm. loving, loving man. man. Yes. My worst fear mm-hmm. for my son is for him to end up like me. Mm-hmm. But you know what I asked my children early on when I was educating them, what would you do? And I didn't know my son, I didn't know my son was gay. I had no idea. I wish I had known. Maybe I could have, maybe, maybe things would have turned out differently. Not in who he chooses to love, but in the way that he sees himself today. Mm-hmm. Because I support my children. I don't give a good goddamn. Right. I will go to hell with gasoline draws on about those two. Yes. In the same way that I am about living with HIV, I, tell, I, I hold my head high. I teach my sons to be the same way. But I asked them, I said, what would you do if you met somebody and they were HIV positive and they told you? My youngest son said, mommy, I would just love them and I would use protection. My oldest son said, mommy, I would love them, but I wouldn't even care if I ended up positive because look at you. Mm. So nobody, I haven't heard anybody tonight talk about that being a reason that the numbers are so high. You see, we talk about the medication, the treatment adherence, and how good we're doing. We talk about all the benefits of Travada. But what we're not talking about is the, the double-edged mm-hmm. sword yes. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I look motherfucking good for 46 years. My T cells are 1100. But my sons grew up seeing that. Right. So they right. think in their mind, it's okay, it's okay. If, I, if, if, if I have unprotected sex and I become positive. I'm just going to take a pill and do just like mommy does. Right. So how do we address that? So we're gonna Lorenzo's gonna respond to that, and then we're gonna wrap it up. And then we're no, and you're right. I think one of the things that we don't talk about because when I look at the advertisements for HIV medication, they are rock climbing, they're biking, they're canoeing, <laughs> they're doing all this stuff, which is really, but they don't show the other side of it. I mean, early on when they were doing HIV advertisement, they they used the scare tactic, tactics. They showed people that they were jaundiced. They showed people they, how you can get really sick with HIV. And we need to see that again because a lot of kids, they're exactly like you're thinking. That's all they know. Young people now, they don't know the, the realities of how people have lived with HIV and how they died. They didn't. They haven't seen that. And they do need to Amen. see that because that's what, we are, that's what we're lacking now. So because everyone th- thinks now if I become HIV positive, I can pop a pill and it's all right. I'm back in the game. Hey, baby, I'm ready to do this. But see, the reality is some people can, who are become HIV positive, all the, medi- the way that they became positive, all the medications are not going to work. So therefore, they're not going to be able to pop a pill and be back in the game. So we have to really show the other side of it and talk about that also because everyone's not going to have the same response to this medication as everyone else. There are those people that when they, when they become positive and take that medication, it's not going to work. So therefore, they're going to continuously have, they're going to have a detectable viral load, not undetectable. It's going to be detectable. And they're going to go into from HIV to AIDS. So we have to start to talk about that part of it as well. The reality is that's what some people are going to experience. It's not going to be the, the great, you're out rock climbing, you're out biking. It's not going to be that. It's going to be that you're in the hospital, you're on dialysis. You have all these other issues that you have to deal with because of HIV. And we have to address that as well. So that we have to talk about that part of it as well. And you're absolutely correct. And this concludes our conversation with HIV stigma within the black community. I hope this actually gave you a few things to think about, talk about, and go share with everybody else to bring to your own communities. Again, this is Chris of Brothers Podcast, signing off. Have a wonderful day.